All right. Uh, so after uh, a quick pause, like we did a pause uh, to discuss spiritual warfare, tonight we're going to, to jump back into our series titled The Teachings of Jesus. And, and to remind us all at this point in the series, uh, we've been covering specifically the teaching of Jesus on prayer. So the topic, the discussion, the subject that we've been thinking about, what does Jesus teach about prayer is what we've been covering. Uh, Jesus has been teaching us how, how to pray to our Father in heaven. And this might strike us as odd, but since Jesus provides us this teaching on prayer, since he gives us teaching on prayer, it implies that we, his disciples, uh, don't just all of a sudden magically pray well. Uh, no, we must learn how to pray well. That is how to pray in a way that, that honors and glorifies God and connects us to God connects us to God so that we, we actually experience his love, his grace, his peace, uh, intimacy with the one who created us. Students, I want to say to you, if you want, like if you truly desire a rich and real relationship with God, then there's no other way you must learn how to pray. Intimacy, closeness, knowing your father in heaven will not come through any other way but prayer in his word. And so what Jesus teaches us on prayer in this section is not meant to collect dust on a shelf in your head. Like what you're learning here is not to just be set aside and not used. It's meant to be practiced. Uh, it's meant to be developed, internalized. It's meant to change our lives. Um, and in the first three messages, uh, Jesus taught us to pray for more from God than safe travels, uh, help with homework, and a good week, you know, whatever that means. Instead, Jesus said, pray bigger, uh, uh, think larger, want more. Uh, we have a glorious, supreme, eternal, all-powerful God who commanded the sun to rise this morning. So ask more than to get somewhere safely. More specifically, Jesus asks, says, ask your God, to show you the world, to show the world his glory, show the world his majesty, ask for God to extend his kingdom on earth as your, your friends and your family members and your classmates come to, to love and obey and submit to Jesus. King Jesus, ask for God to fulfill his purposes for all of time. Ask God to bring heaven down to earth. So Jesus says, pray bigger. That's the, the bedrock, that's the ground, that's the heart of a disciple's prayer. But my question is, have you made it the heart of your prayers? Have you taken Jesus' instruction on prayer seriously? Have you gotten alone in a room by yourself, shut the door so no one could hear you and pray on your knees, God, I want your name to be glorified. God, I, I want your kingdom to come. God, I, I want the world to know you. Have you prayed that prayer? Have you asked God to fulfill his purposes for all of time? And more what I'm trying to say is, is what you're learning here about how to pray from Jesus just sitting on a shelf collecting dust? Or are you using it, developing it, internalizing it? Another way to say it is, are you being a disciple of Jesus 
Or are you just, are you practicing his teachings or are you just saying you're a Christian? Disciples of Jesus actually practice what he taught. So are you praying like Jesus? Now, while in the first three petition, petitions, Jesus teaches us to pray for our three greatest desires, uh, in the second half of the prayer, which is what we're going to begin covering tonight, Jesus teaches us to pray for our three greatest needs. So our desires are uh, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And now he turns to what to, we need to pray for our needs. And the first need mentioned is our need for God's provision. So let's go ahead and read our passage, pray and dig in. Uh, Jonathan, would you read the passage for us? And everybody look along. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I need your help. We need your help. We just admit right now, apart from you intervening in our life right now and, and, and working in our heart, nothing will change. This message will be heard and forgotten. So, Father, we just ask for your help now. Would you, would you open our hearts? Would you open our eyes? Would you draw us nearer to you? Would you help us really learn how to pray? Father, just give a, a power to this message by your spirit. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first need Jesus teaches us to pray is in verse 11. So look there with me. He tells us to pray very short and simply. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, here, when Jesus says bread, he's not merely referencing, you know, some baked loaf of angel soft butternut bread from pick and save. Uh, rather, in this prayer, the term bread stood for much more. See, in the ancient world, bread, you know, baked cereal grain uh, served as the, the core food in the diet of most people. It often was the, the primary, maybe even the sole source of the essential nutritional needs of their life, bread. Uh, put simply, for most people, especially Jesus' disciples, to be without bread was to be without food. So when Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread, he's encouraging us to, to ask God to meet our basic needs for life, uh, like food and water and shelter and sleep. Whatever we truly need for survival, Jesus teaches us to go to our Father in heaven and pray for it. And note how Jesus says, give us this day, our daily bread, this day. Daily bread. Uh, uh, the emphasis is on God's moment by moment, uh, day by day provision. Not next weeks, not next months, uh, but today. Today what you need. And, and this would have really resonated with the disciples. Like when they're hearing Jesus give this lesson on prayer and him saying, give us this day our daily bread. That would have hit home because in the ancient world, it was much different. Many of Jesus' disciples were in the lower economic class. Uh, that is, they didn't make a lot of money. They didn't have much. And people in that kind of financial position, they didn't receive a paycheck. You know how we do like every two weeks, most of us, some of us who are working, they got paid at the end of each day once the work was completed. 
If they didn't go to work, they didn't get paid, period. And the amount was usually just enough to buy what they needed for a day or so. This meant that if you got sick and you were down for seven days, your family is likely to go without food for a little while. Now, for us moderns living in America, you know, us, uh, to ask God for such basic needs like bread or daily bread, it might even come to us sounding unnecessary. Uh, after all, most of us have never went one day, one day of our life without food, water, or shelter. From our birth, since we, since we were born into this world, to the present moment, we've always had our basic needs met. Honestly, most families in the U.S., they probably waste and throw away more food in a week than an ancient person ate in a month. So, so my question is, why do we ask God for our daily bread? Why would we ask him to provide our basic needs today when we got it in our fridge and in our pantry? We already have what we need. Why ask God? Why? And that my, my goal is to convince you, to persuade you that you should. You should still continue to pray to your father, give this day my daily bread. And here's why. First, the prayer teaches us humility. The prayer teaches us humility. Look at verse 11 again and note the first word is give, give. Jesus says, pray to your father, give, give us this day our daily bread. The prayer then, ad, it, it admits, uh, it acknowledges that our food, right, our water, our, our home, the, the basic things that we, we need to live, it doesn't come from you. <laughs> it doesn't come from me. It comes from God as a gift. So, so everyone pause for a moment. Just, just take a second. Close your eyes. And take a big, deep breath. You can open your eyes now. You can't take one breath, one, unless God sustains your life right now. One breath. God must sustain the entire cosmos by the word of his power. God must hold the sun and planets and moons all in orbit. He holds all things together in Christ, we hear in Colossians 1. Nothing lives, nothing exists, nothing breathes apart from God sustaining and preserving life. Uh, you ate food, you drank water or something, you woke up today because God gave you daily bread. That's why you are alive right now. And, and I know, I know it's hard to believe because we live in such a, a wealthy and affluent, you know, never go without kind of country. But in reality, Jesus shows here, God does the giving. Look, I, I know, I know that you thought that butter burger from Culver's just kind of magically appeared. I know, I mean, if it's McDonald's, it might really have just appeared. I don't know if that really comes from cows. Uh, but Culver's actually had to buy their meat uh, from a distributor, and that distributor ultimately got it from some cattle rancher, and that cattle rancher had to feed the cows grass and hay and various other vegetation-based byproducts, I don't know what they're feeding these cows nowadays, and all of the feed cows eat depended on what? Sunshine, rain, water, and where does that come from? God. 
I know we go to grocery stores and we just buy stuff now and we don't have a real understanding of how everything that sustains us comes from uh, the weather being the weather, which God sustains. So, so therefore, God produces the conditions of our world that allow us to breathe, eat, and move. We're, we're not self-sufficient. We're, we're not uh, self-existent. Uh, we depend on God for everything. And so then when we're praying and, and we're asking God for our daily bread, uh, we're asking him for what we need to survive. It, it keeps us, it guards us, it protects us from actually thinking and coming under, under the false notion that we give ourselves life. So the prayer humbles us. I, I don't care if you have a job. <laughs> I don't care if your parents make a lot of money. I don't care if you plan on becoming a doctor or lawyer. You will never take one breath on your own power. Never. Not one. God gives you that. You are not ultimately in control of preserving your life. God is. So, so my encouragement is don't live in a mirage. Don't live in an illusion. We're not as powerful and as effective as we think. And by praying this prayer on a daily basis, we're giving ourselves a daily dose of humility. We're reminding ourselves who we are in relationship to God, that we are totally and utterly dependent on him. We are being honest before him in that way. And so not only does the prayer teach us humility, but the prayer also produces gratitude. Gratitude in our hearts. How? How can praying for our daily bread produce this well of, of gratitude and thanksgiving? Well, because as well-fed, well-supplied Americans, when we pray for God to give us our daily bread, it's, it's redirecting our attention from what we don't have to what we do have. Because when we pray for our daily bread, we're realizing I have all that I need. We're, we're often so restless and, and anxious and discontent with, discontent with life. And it's because we, we fixate, especially with the whole help of social media, on all that we don't have. I don't have as many friends as that person. I don't have the nice clothes and shoes. I don't have that girl's hair or body type. I don't have that guy's height or athleticism. I don't have good parents. I don't have the newest video games. I don't have fill in the blank. And we get so wrapped up in these don't haves that we totally miss out on what we do have. All that's been given to us. See, praying and asking God for our daily bread brings to our attention that he has already richly, richly supplied us with everything we need. So that instead of grumbling and feeling bad for ourselves about what we don't have, we can think about the countless do haves, the do haves. So in my own prayer time, I've been really praying this prayer often. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, and when I'm asking God for that, I'm making that crest. I'll just like, I'll be going through in my office each and every way he's met my needs. I'll just start getting real specific. I'll, I'll thank him for the most basic stuff. Uh, my bed and pillows, you know, that I slept somewhere. Uh, my shower and breakfast, my couch and carpet in my home. I literally would just be thanking him. My feet is on carpet. <laughs> Uh, my books and coffee, my Bible and journal. And then I'll start expanding my family, my church, my friends, Cafe 19, you all. In other words, I take inventory. I, I, I really think about every way God has taken care of me today. How he's given me my daily bread. What I need. And all the while it reveals to my heart that all that I have. 
Not what I don't have, but what I have. And it fills me with this gratitude, this thanksgiving, this contentment. Another way to say it is after I'm done thanking God for my daily bread, I'm satisfied. I realize I don't have to long and covet for what others have, but I'm overwhelmed by what I do have. So students, our lives are overflowing with countless blessings and graces given to us from God. So, so in a world obsessed, obsessed with getting more, uh, uh, more hoodies, more Nikes, more shoes, more shows, more video games, more gadgets, more golf clubs, more airsoft guns, just this more, more, more desires, un un insatiable appetite. We can say, I have enough. Like, I have enough. I don't need more. God has given me everything I need today. And I'm telling you, when you have that kind of heart and that kind of attitude before God, you will live much more with contentment and satisfaction and just overall general hope in life. When we constantly focus on what we don't have, we become discontent and dissatisfied. But the do-haves, what God has done for us today, that grounds us. Lastly, the prayer shows us God's fatherly Love. Now, for many ancient Bible scholars and teachers, they just, they just couldn't believe that Jesus would go from praying for such heavenly petitions like God's name and God's kingdom and God's will. They couldn't imagine that he would go from praying for all these things to bread. So they would make up all types of interpretations to get away from that. But that's exactly what Jesus does here. He goes from heaven to bread. And it shows us that our father in heaven, he cares. Like he's concerned about the most simple everyday needs you have. He cares about what you have for dinner, where you sleep. If you had enough water day, he cares about your job, your clothes, everything you need. The creator of heaven and earth is aware and he's consciously seeking to meet those needs for you. He wants to take care of you. So when I come home from work, I always have a, a snack. Uh, and when I'm eating healthy, it's Greek yogurt and bran buds. Help you stay regular. But other times, it's Snyder's cheesy pretzels and tortilla chips. And most recently, I brought back a classic, sour cream and cheddar Pringles. Yeah? John, I seen that, John. I seen that. Uh, and since I do this every day, I come home and I, I come and I walk in the door and I kind of say hi, I greet everybody. Then I go to that cabin and I start rummaging. Uh, Levi, my son, he anticipates it. And so as he sees me rummaging in the cabinets, he's like, what do you got, Papa? What do you got? What do you got? And then he starts saying, you can come in here, Papa, once he sees me grab it. You can come in here. He's referencing, like, come into the living room. Um, and basically, he wants me to sit on the couch with him uh, in the living room. And, of course, I accept his offer, and we'll sit on the couch, and we'll snack together. <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, like, for me, feeding this little two-year-old self uh, tasty Pringles is one of the most satisfying and enjoyable moments of my life, or at least of being a dad. Uh, seeing him light up with delight and he just takes that crunch and he's just happy. Like, yeah, he just, he's just so thankful for the Pringles and he's doing it with dad. And it's just, it's just a good moment, bonding moment. Uh, uh, or like when the boys, like they might wake up and they're kind of cold when you first bring them out of the bed and they're kind of shivering. You wrap a blanket around them and you just get them warm. 
uh, or, or when they're tired and, and they rest my head, their head on my shoulder as I hold them and comfort them. Uh, as a dad, I, I'm telling you, I love, I delight, I, I enjoy so much to meet the needs of my boys. Like, I really want to. I really desire to. It makes me happy. And the same is true for our dad in heaven. He enjoys and delights to feed you. <laughs> he likes when you like nachos and cheese and jalapenos. He's like, yes, my son, eat. My daughter, eat. <laughs> he loves you. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about your sleep schedule and how you spend too much time on Netflix and TikTok and on your phone. He's concerned about your daily needs all the time. And he loves to meet them. He loves to satisfy you. And so that's why Jesus, he gets with his disciples and he teaches them to pray to their father who loves them, who's concerned for them. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and so are you praying that way? Will you commit to pray that way? Uh, have you made a, a regular practice in your life, like somewhere in your, your daily life, your routine to ask your father in heaven for your daily bread? Are you letting that request show you that you depend on him? Are you growing in contentment and gratitude as you, as you take inventory of all the ways he's provided you down to the carpet you're standing on in your home? Like, did you feel the weight of how he gave you carpet? <laughs> Are you sensing more and more how amazing it is that the God of heaven, of the heavens is our father and is absolutely committed to taking care of you. He's totally committed. Again, listen, Jesus' teaching on prayer, it's not meant to, to sit on a shelf and collect dust. Uh, it's meant to be practiced. It's meant to be internalized. So this week, if you haven't already, I encourage you, start praying the Lord's Prayer. Take Jesus' instruction. Go into your room. Shut the door. Get alone. Be in secret and pray for God's name to be glorified. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Pray for His will to be done in the lives of your family and friends and classmates and pray for your daily bread. Pray for your daily bread. Let's pray. Father, I thank you the way you've met all of my brothers and sisters' needs today how you've hydrated them, how you fed them, how you've given them clothes and shelter. I'm so thankful you've given them what they need. And Father, I just pray that we all would just grow in our awareness of how you are so loving and kind and detailed in the way you work in our lives, that we would grow in gratitude, that we would be humbled, that we have nothing apart from you. We can't breathe apart from you. So, Father, just as we pray this prayer in our quiet times, in our private times with you, change us, transform us, renew us, uh, make us more like your son. I thank you for these students so much, Lord. Please work in their life powerfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.